This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, June 15th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Tesla regains momentum as registrations boom. True Car replaces its CEO and cuts nearly a quarter of its workforce. And VW's savings plan includes cutting models and pooling production. Plus, some lawmakers in Washington, D.C. want to force car makers to keep AM radio in all future vehicles. We'll hear from Gartner Vice President and Analyst Mike Ramsey about why he's skeptical of that effort. How many of us have AM radio sitting available to us in our homes? Maybe a decent proportion, but there's certainly no regulation requiring every home have AM radio so that they can <laughs> tune in to you know these emergency broadcasting systems. So it's a little bit odd that we would require it in cars for a safety purpose. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla has regained its rapid sales momentum in the U.S. during the first four months of 2023 after some deep price cuts. New data from Experian shows that Tesla grew its registrations by 52% compared with the same period last year. CEO Elon Musk said this year he was willing to sacrifice profit for volume. That strategy seems to be working in the U.S. Musk's annual growth target for Tesla's global sales is 50%. From January through April, Tesla's Model Y crossover had a 99% increase in new registrations over last year. The Model 3 sedan grew by 28%. The Model X crossover's registrations rose 15%, while the Model S sedans fell 67%. Tesla's U.S. registrations totaled almost 212,000 through April. Despite growing competition, Tesla actually grew its market share slightly. It now stands at 60.8% of the EV market, up from 60.3% in the first quarter. Around a quarter of new car shoppers in the U.S. are considering purchasing an electric vehicle. That's risen only slightly over the past year as motorists continue to worry about charging infrastructure. That's the finding of J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Electric Vehicle Consideration Study. The research firm found that 26% of shoppers say they are very likely to consider an EV, up from 24% a year ago. It gauges interest in fully electric vehicles rather than electrified autos such as plug-in and conventional hybrids. The slight increase comes across a backdrop of factors influencing buyer interest in EVs. Lower gas prices, for example, reduce the economic benefit, while higher interest rates increase the cost. On the flip side, the number of models and types of EVs is rising rapidly. TrueCar is dismissing nearly a quarter of its workforce and has replaced its CEO. The struggling vehicle listings company chose its COO, Jantoon Rigersman, as its new CEO to lead the company through its restructuring. TrueCar says it will cut 102 positions, or 24% of its workforce. 41-year-old Rigersman succeeds Mike Darrow, who is 66, and has also left his board position. Barbara Carbone, TrueCar's incoming board chair, said in a statement that restructuring would better align the company's costs with its revenue, 
end quote, is designed to make TrueCar a nimbler, more efficient company. Shareholders reacted favorably to the news, driving shares of TrueCar up more than 12% to 278 in after-hours trading. And Volkswagen Group's namesake passenger car brand plans to increase earnings by around $11 billion by improving efficiency and lowering costs. The brand aims to more than double profitability as part of the program. VW Brands' returns in the first quarter dropped to 3%, down from 3.6% a year earlier. VW brand head Thomas Schaefer says it will focus on a smaller number of core volume models, discontinuing lower volume vehicles such as the VW Arteon. He said in a statement that the cost-cutting program will reduce complexity and deliver higher profits. Schaefer says the program aims to make development and production more efficient. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Tesla sacrificing profit for volume, and it seems to be working. What are your thoughts? You know, it's uh, early days in this strategy, but it's been very interesting. You know, Elon Musk has talked about Tesla growing to be a company twice the size of Toyota if it can keep growing 50% a year for like a decade. The only way to get there is to start now. So he's cut his prices, which probably is really going to take a bite out of profitability. Uh, but it is absolutely making Tesla, <laughs> keeping Tesla as the dominant EV player, uh, despite all the new entries coming from other automakers. So very interesting. You know, one thing about Musk, he often he puts his cards right out there and says, this is what I'm going to do. And people think that's not possible. And maybe it takes longer than expected. But Often, he does what he says. Gotcha. Coming up, should the U.S. force automakers to keep AM radio in all new cars? We'll hear from Gartner Vice President and Analyst Mike Ramsey next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better, outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Once at the center of American life, AM radio stands in the middle of a tussle between automakers who want it gone to save money and avoid noisy interference in electric vehicles and federal lawmakers who say it is key for emergency alerts during catastrophes. Legislators have introduced a bill that would require AM radio to remain in vehicles to make sure drivers have access to hardened emergency alert systems. AM radio reaches about 
45 million listeners each month in the U.S., compared with 231 million listeners for FM, according to Nielsen Ratings. On Wednesday, tech and innovation reporter Molly Boygan and I went live on the Automotive News LinkedIn page to talk about it with Gartner Vice President and Analyst Mike Ramsey, who is skeptical of the bill. We also heard from some of you who sent in comments ahead of time. Here's a piece of that conversation. Mike, you know, when you see the, the coverage about this, I mean, what's at stake here? You know, the legislators say that AM is needed for emergency broadcasts and such. You know, what kind of a, of a use case are we talking about to justify what's the cost that's involved? Well, first, I think that it's really important to understand that this is not a new thing, right? We've had lots of different technologies over time that have come in and out of the car. Um, and in this case, we're, we're talking about car makers who've chosen to stop putting AM radio in for a pretty fundamentally small reason, which is that the sound quality is poor when the electromagnetism from electric motors, you know, interferes with it. So it kind of ruins the experience. And for a reasonably small cost, you can shield it so that it produces a decent enough sound. But car companies starting with Tesla said, hey, we're not going to do it because, you know, it's a it's a marginal cost. And in their view, not that many people listen to it. And then finally, and I think this is the most important part. There are other ways to listen to the content apps now, which are now available through uh, mirroring systems and basically every vehicle through CarPlay and Android Auto, you know, can play all of the streaming content that these radio stations have. So it's not that the content's not available, it's that people with AM radios in the newer vehicles can't quite as seamlessly tune into the station they want. And also I think that there is the argument around safety, the emergency broadcasting system does use AM radio stations. I have my own opinion about that in terms of like, what is the actual impact in a realistic way of needing AM radio? I think it's probably fairly minor in terms of what it would mean. And we could probably find alternatives really easily, but all that said, you know, it is an argument. You do also hear the proponents of AM radio talking about the the reasons why why the federal government has chosen to shore up AM radio stations, while, as you both said, the the listenership is declining and, you know, has declined pretty significantly over time. AM broadcast signals use longer wavelengths and therefore can travel through solid objects, can travel longer distances. They're accessible in places where broadband internet and FM radio signal are not accessible. So, you know, FEMA is shoring up those um, 62 primary entry point stations for use by the federal government. But actually, um, in in the hearing recently on this issue, Scott Schmidt from the Alliance for Automotive Innovation talked about, you know, how their hope is that the government is going to basically diversify the means through which it can deliver emergency messages to the public. So let's hear from Scott. Regulation is a blunt instrument and it's it goes to perpetuity. So even if you have vehicles that now have this technology, you're mandating them for forever, basically, and you're looking at a, a system that FEMA has concerns about its uh, declining listenership, and we are looking at more and better ways of trying to deliver alerts. So I think we're ge- generally not in favor of a mandate in this area. There's somebody from the, the Alliance there speaking on behalf of the industry. They see it as 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 did our editorial board as sort of really an unfunded mandate 
right? It's, it's adding cost that is going to be passed on to the consumer when we're already facing really record high vehicle prices. Is that reasonable on their part, Mike? Yeah, it, I think also it really kind of overlooks like some of the obvious things about AM radio. If you're in an emergency, are we all out in our cars? I mean, how many of us in the middle midst of a big emergency are, are out in the vehicle? Some of us are, but most of us are at home. And how many of us have AM radio um, sitting, you know, available to us in our homes? Maybe a decent proportion, but there's certainly no regulation requiring every home have AM radio so that they can <laughs> tune in to, you know, these emergency broadcasting systems. So I think that there's, it's a little bit odd that we would require it in cars for a safety purpose um, going forward. And I agree with the fundamental idea that there are other ways we could do it, um, not the least of which is the growing prevalence of satellite uh, connectivity, which over the next five or six years, every spot on earth is going to have access to satellite provided connectivity, which won't be interfered with by power outages or anything else. So I think that there is a, you know, a little bit of a blindness to what technology is on the horizon and requiring this to be in every vehicle. Hmm. And what do we have in our houses already, which is, you know, not that many people actually have AM radio, you know, available in their house as it stands. One of the things that came up in, in reporting the story was I spoke to um, a professor who studies emergency crisis communications, and he said, you know, surprisingly that people actually do turn to AM radio in, a, in an emergency. It's sort of like, you know, something that's just a little bit ingrained in the way that that people respond to emergencies. And um, and also that, you know, you know, you're talking about satellite radio, which, you know, is, is an interesting development. And it, he said he described it as the least brittle medium that, you know, even though people are relying on these other types of communication, it's really it's a relatively simple form of communication. And again, it's accessible over sort of longer distances um, and, and, you know, in, in parts of the country that are more remote. That's also something that an audience member submitted in in their voice note. Um, Scott Gresser talked a little bit about that. Let's hear from from Scott. My name is Scott Gresser. I'm from Worcester, Ohio, which is 50 miles south of Cleveland. Do I listen to AM radio quite a bit? Yes, I do. I like to listen to AM radio for the news, talk, and information that it offers. But now you're asking, is it for security's sake? Yes, it is for security's sake, because AM runs on an analog signal, not digitized, like the great podcast, The Daily Drive from Automotive News. <laughs> analog has its own transmitter has its own tower, no one can mess with it. If it's a digital signal, someone somewhere can take that off the air as well as anything that's on our smartphone. What do you make of that, Mike? You know, there's some real logic to it. And I do think that the the effect of eliminating AM radios from vehicles, it would be more heavily felt in rural areas, full stop. I mean, if you look at who listens to AM radio as it is, Right now, it is largely in communities that are more rural than, you know, the, the urban communities. So there, there is some logic to it. I just think that requiring it uh, in all vehicles doesn't make sense. What would make more sense is making it an option or even an aftermarket option that people could choose to put in the vehicles that would take away the mandate and allow people to, you know, maintain access to it rather than you know, force automakers to continue on with something, uh, technology that fundamentally is not growing. I mean, I think that, you know, it's been shrinking over time and 
I don't see any reason why it won't continue to shrink even more. Uh, when I was talking about satellite, I'm talking you know, not so much about like the serious satellite radio, but you know, all those Starlink satellites that you see flying overhead, may, many of you, there's going to be a lot more of those in the near future beaming down, you know, internet connectivity to basically any spot on earth, no matter how remote it is. Uh, and that's in the near term. So, you know, I'm not sure that we will just have to rely on AM radio, even in the middle of nowhere at any spot on earth. In terms of adding it as an aftermarket option, that that was also something that came up in my conversations with, you know, different sort of stakeholders on this issue. And in particular, I spoke to a broadcaster in a rural area. And there is a sense from some drivers and from some broadcasters that I think is related to some of the some of the other conversations that have been happening around um you know, sort of subscription model and, and you know, as, as, as vehicles become increasingly software defined, you know, you do hear a sense from people that they feel that they're being price gouged a little bit that, you know, they're going to have to pay for all of these different things subsequent to the purchase of the vehicle. Do you view that as a problem and, and sort of in particular as a sort of image problem for the automakers? And, and do you see, you know, this as, as part of a move in that direction or not really? Well, kind of two separate things. First, I, I am a very strong believer in the idea that the car companies have to be very careful about the way that they price functions as a service or these services more generally that all the car companies have talked about. There's the way that the car companies have talked about this has really put it like, hey, what's the best way for us to shake down consumers for, for more money, right? After they've spent $50,000 on a new car, you know, it, it really kind of sounds greedy and almost like obnoxious. So my view is that the car company should be looking at stuffing cars full of digital technologies when they launch, as many as they can. And then whatever they can come up with after the fact, it's not necessarily expected by me or Jamie or you that we're going to get that for free, right? But I should be able to get as many things as I am expecting when I buy a car, especially for the price so for the AM radio, personally, I kind of think that if someone said to me, hey, if you really want AM radio, it's we can offer to you for $20 after the fact, you know, in a download, that some people may be irritated, but that likely that actually would solve the problem of providing the capability, but not forcing every car company to, to invest in it in their platform. Mike Ramsey is vice president and analyst for Gartner. He joined me and automotive news tech and innovation reporter Molly Boygon on a LinkedIn Live event this week. And a special thanks to those of you who sent us voice comments ahead of the webcast. You can find the entire conversation on the Automotive News LinkedIn page. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lawrence Iliff, Jerry Hirsch, and Mark Homer for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the future of AM radio and new cars, EV registration numbers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.